1: Hello, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chan. I'm a partner with and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Diyatri, um, can you start our first question, please? Sure, Rebecca. Anand?
2: Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, I have a question. Uh, my priority date is September 9, 2013, which is current now. Final action date is current, and I am mm-hmm. returning back to my old employer. Okay. So. He has already filed my, uh, I-485 and it was received by USCIS yesterday. Okay. Now he got a job for me and he wants to file my H-1B transfer, okay. but he's saying we need to wait until we get the receipt of 485 so that we can include those receipt in the H-B, H-1B petition. Okay. Otherwise we may get RF. Do we need to wait or we can just file?
1: Um, yeah, it's it may be best to wait until the I-485 receipt notice has arrived. The reason for that is that when you are requesting an H-1B uh, change of status or extension of status, and you're, so you're past the six-year limit, right, for H-1B, um, when you're requesting an extension beyond the six-year limit with the I-140 approval notice, it used to be that you could get a three-year extension if you have the I-140. When your priority date is current, that three-year extension becomes a one-year extension and you also have to show that you have filed the I-485. Basically, USCIS wants to see that you have acted on your priority date become current by filing the I-485 application. Whether you actually need to include the I-485 receipt notice in the initial petition, it may not be absolutely required. We have filed some um, without the receipt notice and still gotten the one-year approval and no RFE. Um, a couple of situations, we have gotten the RFE. So I would say it decreases the chances of getting an RFE if they include the receipt notice, um, but it's not absolutely required in order to just file the application.
2: Okay, so even if you get an RFE and then later on we can submit those uh, receipt R- I- I for it, right, to clear That's it. That's
1: fine, yeah. We are
2: not going to reject it straight away, right? No,
1: no, we okay. haven't seen a rejection. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, just one more question. Uh, Do I need to inform my current employer that I am that I have filled my 485 with old employer? Do I need to tell them?
1: No. No, you're not obligated to tell your current employer anything about your green card process.
2: Okay. Okay. Thank you very much.
3: Mm -hmm. Next question.
4: Hello?
5: Yes. Can you hear me? Go
4: ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a I have a priority date of
5: August two thousand fifteen in EB two uh, uh, from my previous employer, and my new employer is filing in EB three category. Now, if in case in future my date co- in EB two becomes current, can I go back to my previous employer and use that priority date to file four eighty five?
1: Yes, potentially. Um, has that Old employer
5: withdrawn the I one forty as far as you know? No, it, no, he has not. I mean, it it was approved, and I mean, so mm-hmm. it's still there, and he has agreed to actually file it if the case arises. So, so is there any? I mean, okay. so even though new employer files and uh, posts fine. the priority date, okay, that will be fine. Okay, all right. Yeah, thank you. So you
1: can have more than one firm from a different company. That's
4: fine. Okay, thank you. Sure. Next Do
1: question. You- Hi, Rebecca.
4: Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and, and,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. So a... I had
4: a question. Uh, is it breaking up? Uh, uh, no,
6: go ahead.
4: Yeah, so I have a. a, 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 a we recently filed a 485 on May 9th based on an approved I 140 for EB1B. Now okay. there is a yeah so we uh, so we haven't received biometrics yet but the question is what is the i might there might there's a possibility that i might then lose the job in 3 two to 3 months so what would happen what can i do to retain potentially because it's still not 180 days for 45
1: yeah it is quite difficult um if it- if you lose your job within 180 days of the I-485 being filed. Um, The only thing that can, so the I-140 and the I-485 application, mostly they just require a valid offer of employment. You don't actually have to be actively working for the I-140 petitioner in order for them to file the J-supplement. On your behalf with the i 45 application or to keep it valid so but it depends a lot on your employer um, like the university or school um, depending on their policy basically if if you do lose the position you know in less than six months and the school's policy is to withdraw the I-140 there isn't much you can do to really preserve it so at that point. You would need to start- As far as
4: I understand, they, they do not withdraw the I-140. So okay. to keep it. Uh, okay. uh, I'm not sure what the I-485, if, if it, i do not think it's not owned by the company, right? So no, they won't withdraw it right. personally. Yeah, so the I-140 what,
1: is, in the, is in the employer's name. The I-485 is in your name. Um, But if they did withdraw the I-140, it would result in the automatic denial of the I-485. Um, so if the employer is willing to not withdraw the I-140 for at least 180 days, and even though you're not actively working there, if they are willing to basically say that even though we aren't employing you at the moment, we still have an offer for you, um, at least for the next three months or however long it takes you to get to six months, theoretically, that could be keep the I-140 still valid until you can move to a different employer who would file the AC-21J supplement.
4: So the solution, if, uh, if in case that happens, the solution would be to find another, another job. I'm right now on O-1 visa, move to that job on a transfer, a new O-1, uh, potentially. And then- Yes, yeah, once... the
1: difficult thing is you can't, you really shouldn't change employers earlier than six months because that would be a signal it's a bit difficult because you would need to convince USCIS that basically your I-140 petitioner still has a job offer for you. It's difficult to do that when you have actively moved to a different company already before six months. And, you know, any O-1 transfer filing or anything like that is sort of an indication to USCIS that 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 has happened.
4: So...
1: I would say it would probably be safest to wait until six months to even transfer to a new employer. Um, that would, I know that means, you know, a certain period of unemployment time. You wouldn't be out of status necessarily because the i 45 that's pending keeps you in a period of authorized stay here in the U.S. You're able to stay in the U.S. based on that. Um, but you may not be able to work during that time.
4: Yeah, it, it so is. Get a, get, a, get a start date after 180 days and then move to the new employer, maybe potentially. That would probably be
1: safest if, if possible.
4: Okay. All right. Okay. And, and unless there is an RFE, they won't, uh, I mean, it shouldn't be an issue, per se. Uh, like,
1: uh, most likely not. And okay. if the I 140 petitioner doesn't make any indication to USCIS on their side that, okay.
6: We're
5: no longer employed
6: there
0: or that they
5: withdrew anything. Okay, sounds uh, good. Uh, next
0: question. All
5: right. Hi there. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, so I have a question, uh, well two questions uh, regarding my situation. So my I-140 is approved and my question was if I'm applying for a concurrent H-1B visa, uh, should mm-hmm. that go through the lottery again or does that get approved uh, Without any lottery.
1: So, have you already been selected in the lottery in the past?
5: For, yes, for my previous employer, I, I received my H1B through the lottery.
1: Okay, yeah. If you've been counted in the cap once before, you don't need to go through the lottery again. So, if you uh, even do if have, it's the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, even if the second employer that you want to work for simultaneously is isn't cap exempt.
5: Okay, got it. Uh, And then the second question was, uh, since my I-140 is approved, uh, I also have my wife's um, H-4 uh, EAD in application going on right now. So uh, her approval for the H-4B uh, H4B visa has not come yet uh, for the EAD. Uh, So can I still change my job um, if her approval has not yet arrived?
1: Yes. Let's see, so your H-1B is already approved with your current company, right? You're just considering moving to a different company? Yeah. Okay. Yes.
5: Um,
1: yeah, if her H-4, her pending H-4 extension is not based on a pending H-1B extension, then okay. that's fine. Um, she doesn't necessarily need to file another I-539 and I-765 along with your H-1B transfer. Um, Or, well, this new H-1B that you would be filing is a concurrent H-1B, right? Not really a transfer.
5: Um, Sorry. So my my question was, for the second scenario, uh, I'm just saying that I will be transferring that H-1 visa over to a new company altogether.
1: Okay. Yeah, in that scenario, it's not required that she, um, yeah, file a new I-539 in I-765. She can if she wants to, um, but it shouldn't be necessary.
5: Okay, so it so say for example, in the second situation, if I'm just changing my employer altogether um, and my wife's H4 approval is yet to uh, arrive, uh, it is still okay for me to change employers without her H4 application being affected in any way, right?
1: It should be. Um, what I will say is that in a few isolated incidents, I would say we haven't really seen this recently, but in like late 2020, early 2021, there were some situations like the one you're describing where if you left your H-1B employer and if that company withdraws their H-1B um, on your behalf because you blocked the company, if the I-539 that's pending for your wife, you know, of course, that one is based on your H-1B from the previous company and if it has been withdrawn by the time they are processing the i-539 there have been a couple of times that an i-539 has been denied in that situation um, it really shouldn't be uh, but we do know it has happened erroneously a couple of times so if you want to be safe um, you could file another i-539 and i-765 along with your h-1b transfer at the same time, you can also try doing, um, I've had some colleagues in our office try um, basically sort of interfiling your H-1B transfer receipt to the pending I-539. It's not guaranteed to work because there isn't that procedure for adding new documents to a pending I-539 unless there's an RFE. But what you can try doing is just sending it to the, with a copy of the I-539 receipt notice to the service center where the I-5 through 9 is pending, just attach a copy of your H-1B transfer and a letter explaining that the basis of this pending I-5 through 9 is an H-1B that the H-1B holder no longer works at. here's the transfer receipt notice. Um, so I've had some coworkers here in our office try that and it's been successful.
5: Okay, all right. That's kind uh, of
1: um, a precaution, but um, yeah, it's. You could do that just to avoid an erroneous denial. potentially. All
5: right. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time.
1: Sure.
3: Next question. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, our case was transferred to the National Benefits Center. And just recently, like say yesterday morning, we got a status update that says that uh, we, can, we are temporarily pausing work on your application because an immigrant visa number is not immediately available to you. So what does that mean and what can we do about it?
1: Okay, yeah, we have seen that case status come up a few times. Um, so what is your priority date? May uh, May 2012. Okay, May 2012. And um, I assume that your I-45 was originally filed in the EB-3 category, yeah. is that correct?
3: Uh, no, okay. originally in EB-2, and then we downgraded to EB-3, but we also interfiled in right. January 2022.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you filed it based on a downgrade, um, so it was in EB-3, and then just only recently in January, um, interfiled to EB2. Yeah, that is, it's not uncommon. We have seen the same thing for some other cases with a similar um, backed pattern. It okay. seems like what's happening is um, it's being transferred to the National Benefit Center because somewhere in USCIS, they know that, that you have requested an EB2 interfile and in EB2, you're current, but you're not current in EB3. So they're transferring it to the National Benefits Center because it's current in EB-2, but for some reason, um, the case status is not being updated accordingly. The case status website, whoever is doing that, thinks it's still in EB-3. And that's what, because um, the term, of visa number is not available for you. That is basically means your priority date is not current. So your priority date isn't current in EB-3, but it is in EB-2. I would not be too worried about it. Um, like I said, we've seen the same thing in a few other cases, and it seems to be more of a case where the case status website is not getting updated with the interfile requests. They're still basing it on EB3, which is what it was initially filed in, and it's not that surprising to us, I guess, because the interfile procedure is relatively new. I guess it doesn't surprise us that they haven't connected it to um, all their case status websites and and that sort of thing. Um, but the fact that your cases have been transferred to the National Benefit Center is a good sign. It means that USCIS is aware that it's current in EB2 and that you have interfile, because otherwise they would not transfer it to the National Benefit Center.
3: Okay, so is there anything that I need to do per se to, you know, uh, can, can we do anything to, you know, uh, I don't know, expedite or do some, do we need to take action regarding this?
1: Not necessarily. Um, So in January, when you did the interfile, was that on the I-485J form? Was that when they made the announcement that you file I-485J supplement to request the interfile? Or was it just a letter? Oh, sorry, I think we're muted. Gayatri, can you unmute
3: Safna, please? Sure. We just did the letter, the old method. Okay, okay. That
1: is supposed to be acceptable also. And I think that they have accepted that as the inter, because in their guidance, they said that if you already requested an inter you know, as a letter, you don't need to submit another form. I would say you don't necessarily need to do anything. If you want to, this may be an unnecessary step, but it shouldn't hurt anything. If you want to, you can send in an, a J supplement also requesting the interfile, it's kind of a duplicate because you already requested it in January. But um, if you want to kind of make sure that they have received it, you can submit it again as a J supplement form. Okay. But I wouldn't be too worried. We've seen the same
3: for some other cases. So, so if I uh, if we submit a uh, you know the J supplement, do we have to wait another six months or something or? Yeah. Yeah. No, so the, the, if you need to change the job, it has to be based on the first, like the January 2022 yeah. filing, right? Yeah, I January. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, thank you so much.
7: Next question. Thank thank you. You. Uh, hi, um, so basically we filed a 485 downgrade under ev 3 for my wife application, and I am listed as my spouse's dependent and uh, uh, we filed in october 2020 uh, we, we gave the fingerprints that's it um, no movement since last 18 months so i would like to initiate my eb2 process um, listing my spouse as dependent my priority date is january 15th 2012 um, okay. i would like is, is it okay to file my spouse under my application. Is there any since since there is two parallel streams going on, one in under EP3 and one under EP2, will there be any? That's absolutely any? fine.
1: Yeah. There's no problem with that. We've had other couples who have the same situation. If each of them has an, their own I-140 independently, um yeah, you could definitely do that. And I I would in your case because um in EB3, it's not really moving. It's current
7: in EB2 right now. So I
3: definitely
7: would
1: actually file
7: it in reference. Thank you. Thanks you so much. Sure. Next question. Hello. Hi. Hi, this is Harish. And we got our uh, EAD and EAP approved. And uh, I traveled to India because of the death in the family. And uh, I am returning in next one week. But today, my uh, GC is approved. That is, my I-485 is approved. And uh, the status shows the new card is being produced. When I okay. return back with my EAD and AP at the port of entry, is there be any problem?
1: Um, yeah, so actually, congratulations. Um, technically, your advanced parole is not really valid anymore. Once you become a green card holder, um, you can't your any H1B, H4, EAD, AP, they all sort of become invalid because those were all kind of based on um, oh, you're not being green card holder yet. Um, so, actually, for your travel back, what you can do is if your attorney or um, someone who's checking your mail can send you a copy of the I 485 approval notice. Okay. Um, then you can. You don't even really need the original. A printout of the I four eight five approval notice, plus you should still carry your AP card just to show the border patrol um, when you're coming back in that you had the advance parole at the time you left, meaning that you know you were you had a travel permit at the time you departed the U.S. And then um, if you show the advance parole card and the I four eight five approval notice. Um, they should admit you and just explain that you know when you left at the time your I four eight five application was pending, but you were planning to return on the advanced parole. It got approved while you were outside the U.S. and here's the oh. approval notice. They should let you in as a green card holder.
7: Okay, so it's, it should not be a problem at the port of entry, right?
1: No, yeah, we've had people in that exact same situation um, okay. go through. Just...
4: Thank you, Rebecca. Sure.
6: Next question. Ramnath?
2: Ramnath?
7: Okay, all right, so, so I have two questions here. Um, I came to India due to a death in the family and I was able to only get the appointment for visa on H1B H&M on October, 2022, right? As per my employer policy, the HR would like to move me into an Indian payroll if the length of the stay is greater than 60 days, right? And I can go back to US and then continue working after I get my visa. But if they terminate me from US and I move to India, right, into the Indian payroll, how does it impact my H1B? Um,
1: when does your H1B expire? Like the approval. Notice? Next
7: year in 2023. Okay. In December
1: 2023. Okay. That should be fine. Actually, as long as you are returning to the US anytime before you know, that end date in 2023, you can still come back to the U.S. on that same H-1B. Even if internally they process it as like a termination from the U.S. company and a hire by the Indian company, um, the H-1B is still valid as long as they are still going to, um, as long as they're in the U.S. company planning, you know, at the time they're bringing you back, they're planning to rehire you. So all they would need to provide you when you are ready to go to the visa appointment in October is a recently dated letter from the company confirming that you they still have the position for you according to the yes. terms listed in the I-129 petition.
7: Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. My second question is, is, I was with an employer A. I got an approved I-140 with a priority date of July 2014. Right. This was filed in Wisconsin location. I moved to Employer B and worked with them from August 2020 to January 2022. Then I came back to Employer A in January 2022, right? But this was in in a Dallas, Texas location. Okay, in a senior role. Okay, do I have to go through this whole green card process of prevailing wages, labor I-140 approvals, right? Because I I had my original. Uh, 140 approved with employer A, right In, in July 2014 but that was in Milwaukee so I'm just trying to understand
1: um if the company still operates a location in Milwaukee where your original perm was filed technically they don't have to it's more a matter of the company's comfort level um with you know if they are kind of adamant that you know you don't have a position in Milwaukee anymore, like even if they have the office there, they don't plan to re-transfer you there, it may be necessary to do a new perm. But I would say um, in general, in a situation like that, where the office is still operating in your original location and the promotion is one that's kind of in line with your um occupation code that was listed in the perm it's like just a higher level of that same occupation i would say in that situation in my opinion a new perm isn't necessary um but it it depends on the company and how how strict they want to be with
6: the description in the perm
7: okay all right let me let me i think that's what it is
2: thank you sure
6: pavan kumar
1: Kumar? Hi, you're muted.
4: Hello. Okay. Yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, actually, uh, my 485 uh, status changed to new card is being produced. Uh, it did not say, it did not go to approved or anything, it directly went to the status new card is being produced today. So, does it mean? Uh, is it, it's approved?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so for your I-485, if the USCIS case status website um, shows that the new card is being um, processed, then yeah, you can, um, that means it's approved.
4: OK, and, uh, any idea how long does it take to uh, get the card?
1: Usually within a week or so um, of the case status being updated. Um, Two
4: weeks at most. Okay, cool. Thank you,
6: Vinay. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, hi Rebecca. Uh, you know, I have a question. Um, I got a four eighty five J RFE. Um, that was uh, the request for evidence to. Uh, you know, to interfile with the uh, EB2 uh, because my EB2 uh, date is current as opposed to the EB3, which is the underlying petition. So it's almost close to two months uh, since we have filed the, the RFE response. Um, do we need to raise a service request or resend the, the whole RFE response package if they don't uh, adjudicate within two months or is the delay normal?
1: That's pretty normal. Um, so I would say the 60-day turnaround time for an RV response is not really applicable for I-485s um, because they are, I mean, yeah, their processing times for the I-485s are kind of all over the place. There are some that get approved within, you know, six months or so if they were filed at the end of 2021. And then of course there are many that are still pending since the end of 2020. Um, so the kind of 60 days, I would say it's not really applicable for I-45 RFEs. It's pretty normal um, if it's still pending. Oh,
6: okay. And, 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 and uh, it's not a proactive interfile to the California center. Uh, we didn't we didn't send any notification to the California center to proactively interfile, but the the EB two uh you know changing the underlying petition that they asked to link with the EB two that's with my previous employer EB two. So we in fact filed a EB three when I switched employers to the new company. It was with the EB three uh, four eighty five J supplement that we sent, and we also received the. The supplement J uh, receipt note just about I think three to four weeks before I got the RFE. So do would they still no and then still asking us to interfile with the previous employer EB two? Is that still okay? RFEs like that. Um, We have seen I four eight five RFEs that are
1: asking you know for something and then at the end they include a paragraph that says you seem to have an I one forty petition approved in the EB two category with this case number. Please note that there is an you know, a way to transfer the underlying basis of your application to the EB2 category and that due to the amount of um, EB2 green cards, USCIS is recommending that. We've seen that paragraph in a lot of I-485 RFEs, sometimes even in a case where it seems like you're not supposed to be able to interfile because it's with a different company that you have already left or you know, it's right. not from the company. Um, from our side, we can't really tell if UCIS means, you know, if they are intending to mean that you can interfile in those cases, or if we if they're just adding that paragraph without realizing on their side that it's with two different companies. My sense is that they're just adding that paragraph. They've been kind of instructed to add that paragraph because UCIS is putting pressure on them to encourage people to interfile the EB2 if they can. So they're just adding that paragraph to RFPs sometimes in situations where they may not be eligible to interfile really. Um, so we're still waiting to see the outcome on some of those. Um, in some cases, we do know there are some people who have replied and interfiled, you know, with the different companies. I140 um, in that situation, and we're kind of waiting to see how that works out, how USCIS will treat those situations.
6: Um, oh, so we'll okay. To... So, so could that be a potential? Sorry, we'll need to close the meeting here for
1: today. Um, the next conference will be at 3.30 Central Time on Monday. Thank you.